to know how to improve your basic mountain biking skills in three simple steps? Well then stay tuned, because in this episode you will learn three important mountain bike riding skills for beginners. Welcome back to another episode of the Survival Fitness Plan. We cover what you need in order to survive and go through the best methods of fitness training so you can escape any dangerous situation. Subscribe to the channel now and enable notifications so you never miss out on any of our latest episodes as soon as they're uploaded. Let's get started. Braking. When braking, use the brakes together. Pull the rear brake lever first and then gradually squeeze the front. Brace yourself against the handlebars. Too much front brake and you will go over the handlebars. Too much rear brake and you will skid out of control. The more weight over the wheel, the more stopping power it will have. Use this to your advantage. For example, Leaning back while braking downhill will help prevent going over the handlebars. Using gears. Higher gears are harder to pedal, but will help you go faster. Lower gears are easier to pedal and useful to get up hills. Make sure you shift before you get to the hill. It is better to pedal faster in a low gear as opposed to slow in a high gear. Looking ahead. As you ride, look ahead so you can adjust to any obstacles. Slow down for blind corners and brake or steer early and smooth, rather than leaving it to the last minute. And with that, we've reached the end of this episode all about three important mountain bike riding skills for beginners. Have you mastered these three skills? Get involved and let us know in the comment section down below. If you enjoyed this episode and found it useful, remember to like it and comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss out on our future uploads. Thanks for tuning in and see you again soon in the next episode. Good afternoon and welcome to another rant from here in Neiva. Yep, still here. Uh, one more week, exactly. I leave on the Saturday. I was supposed to leave on like a Thursday or something, but uh, my flight got bumped which is pretty regular, which is pretty uh, normal these days. I mean, it was normal before uh, COVID, and now it's even more normal. It's more frequent. So there you go. So now I'm leaving on Saturday, but that's okay. It's only in a couple of extra days, and it's no bother, really. But I am excited to go to Santa Marta because there's a beach, and I like the beach. And here, well, it's not much to do here. I did go to the desert, finally, me and my friend which was a good and bad day. It was kind of an exciting day. Well, a few things happened. First, we rented a car. That's fine. But uh, I don't drive very often. I mean, I've uh, I've had my license and I've been able to drive for more than 20 years. But I don't drive that often, especially because I travel so much, right? Uh, I think the last time I drove a car, well, definitely the last time I drove a car was uh, last year at camp. So it would have been around August. So it would have been at least three or four months since I actually driven a car. Uh, But in America, they're all automatics, mostly. And so the first time, the last time I've driven a manual car is, I don't know when, it would have been in Australia, right? Which has been a couple of years at least because COVID's been going for a couple of years. So, and the car we rented was a manual car because personally I prefer driving manuals and also it's cheaper. So... I was like, okay, so the first thing, I haven't driven a manual car in a couple of years. So as soon as I get into the car, the first thing is like, oh man, I've forgotten how to drive a little bit. So it took me a minute to figure it out. 
But the other thing is that here in Colombia, uh, it's a left-hand drive like America. But in Australia, no. Is that right? Yeah. In Australia, it's a right-hand drive. So just instinctively changing the gears, even though I haven't done it in years, I, I can do it automatically. It's like riding a bike. You don't really forget. But because it's on my opposite side, it was just, it was just that little bit more uh, of a, a mind twist. So as I'm coming out of the airport, I'm like, oh man, what's going on? And also they drive on the other side of the road that I'm used to. <laughs> so all these things put together made my first 10 minutes of driving that rental car a bit, uh, I was, yeah, I mean, it was fine, obviously. We didn't crash, so it was good. But then after 10 minutes, you know, it all comes back to you, your, your body uh, response, and I was driving normally. So that's cool. So then we drove all the way to the Tatakoa Desert, and that was pretty cool, actually. We got to the desert. The, the roads uh, seemed to me pretty dangerous. They were narrow, and uh, it was during the day uh, on the way there, so that was fine. But they were narrow, and like lots of buses would over, try to overtake you and stuff, so it was eh. But it was cool. It was like it reminded me of driving through the English countryside, except it was really hot as opposed to really cold. But it was nice, you know, the nice scenery. So we get to the, uh, the town, we park the car, uh, have something to eat, uh, and of course it's hot because it's in the desert, and then we get back in the car and then we go the rest of the way to the desert, which isn't that far off. We wanted to see a museum in town, but it just happened to be, we went on Tuesday and it's open every day except Tuesday, uh, but I, it's no big deal. It's a small museum apparently, and uh, something to see, but not great. And, and then, so we get to the desert, and there's not that many people there, which is cool. And we drive around, and it's just one long, big road that you can drive around, right? Or you can rent a bike and ride around it if you want, but oh, I wouldn't do that. So we drive around, and then we stopped in a parking lot to take some pictures, and my friend was like, hey, you know what? I don't know how to drive a manual car. And then because there was no one there, and I was, we were like, this is a perfect place to learn. So we ended up teaching her how to drive, uh, which was pretty cool. She got... Uh, I think the highest she got was we, we got her to be able to drive up to third gear. Even me on those roads, I wasn't going past second or third anyway. So it's about it. And it wasn't a main road and there was hardly any cars. And when a car came down, she would like really slow down and kind of pull off to the side of it, which is cool. Uh, yeah, I think it was pretty cool. And then we went to uh, go to the pool, right? And <laughs> this is kind of a silly story. So we get to the pool and we're having a swim. There's a pool in the desert, right? And it's, to be honest, it's, I re, it's, it wasn't the cleanest pool. I guess all the sand from the desert blows into it. Oh, we did go for a little walk through the desert before we got to the pool and that was pretty cool. There's a couple of trails you can just do, uh, but we weren't really prepared for it and uh, we didn't know where it exited. So we didn't do the whole thing because we were worried, oh, if we pop the car here and go in there, this might exit like kilometers up the road, which would be fine, but then we have to walk kilometers back to the car and we didn't really want to do that. So we went for about, I don't know, half an hour or something. And then see, oh, well, we've gotten the gist of this is pretty cool. And then it came back. And that was pretty cool. I liked that. And then, uh, so we, then we get to the pool and we go for a little bit of a swim. And it was pretty noisy. There was heaps of kids. And then there was another pool on the other side. Uh, same, same complex, but just down there. And uh, it was a bit more quieter. And then you overlook the desert from this pool. And it was really nice. So we went in there. And then my friend came in. And then she was like, hey, you're Australian. You can swim really good, right? And I was like, well... I'm okay. Uh, I've got a book about it <laughs> called Survival Swimming. So I know a few strokes that a lot of people don't know. And she's like, why don't you show me some of them? And of course I was showing off, right? I was showing off in front of her for some reason. 
And then so, well, I don't know what reason, because I'm a Showa. <laughs> so I showed her over on me as cool. And then I wanted to show her how far I could swim underwater because uh, I can swim like a good distance underwater if I use the techniques, uh, almost 50 meters. If I practice, if I trained for like a month, I can definitely swim 50 meters underwater. I've done it before. But if I, um, I mean, right now, because I haven't been training my breath control or whatever, but I could easily do a pool length, right? A small uh, 25 meter pool or whatever. So I can do 30 meters. Anyway, so I was like, yeah, okay. But because this pool had so much chlorine in it, I didn't want to open my eyes underwater. So I was swimming underwater, swimming, swimming, swimming. And then I smashed my head straight into the side of the pool. And uh, I was like, oh man, that hurt. And I got up and then she's like, you need to get out of the pool because you're bleeding. <laughs> so I put a gash on the side of my head and it's going to be a scar. But um, it's not as, it, it seemed worse there. And but now just a couple of days later, it's fine. There wasn't even it didn't even swell up, which I'm very surprised at. But uh, yeah, it was cool. So I put uh, I cleaned it up. Uh, and then when I got home, obviously, I washed it and did some uh, medical stuff on it and uh, put some pawpaw cream on it because I had some of that. And uh, yeah, within the next day, it was fine, basically, but it will be a little scar. But the funny thing is, is that I've got the same scar in almost exactly the same place in my on the same on the other side of my head. So now it's like symmetrical and it goes through both of them go through my eyebrow. So if you look at one of my eyebrows, well, both of them now, <laughs> if you look at my eyebrow and then there's like a little line going through it, it's from a scar. The first one was from when I was really young and uh, I was fishing with my dad and my brother and we're on the jetty and I was standing behind my dad and he cast the fishing and the hook went straight through my eyebrow. And it was uh, really lucky because it didn't go into my eye. But there you go. And then um, I was like, oh man. So that was that one. And now, what, some 30 years later, I did the other eyebrow. So there you go. So that was that. And then, uh, so after that, we we're like, oh man, okay. We were gonna go watch the stars uh, at night, but it was very, very cloudy. We went to inquire and they said, well, you don't know, maybe in half an hour it'll clear up. It's all very, but of course they're gonna say that because they want you to come. And it's only like 10 mil, which is like $2.50 per person, which is an amazing deal to go see. Of course, it's all in Spanish and I wouldn't have been able to understand that well, but, uh, but I would have been able to look through the telescope and that's probably worth the $2.50 on its own. But it was very cloudy. And the thing was, is I wanted to take the car back the same night and the car park closed at 8.30. So we were like, listen, the chances of the stars being out are very slim. So we can either, we can wait for the stars if you want, but, uh, but then we're gonna have to come, go back to the airport the next morning, find parking for the car tonight, blah, 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 blah. So we ended up just taking the car back. On the way home, uh, it was night and those roads had no lights. So I was fine, but anyway, whatever. Uh, we were alive, <laughs> we didn't die. But we did nearly crash because I tried to overtake this motorcycle and then another came, came, another car came. But luckily it was a very small car so we just whizzed by each other. Uh, that was a really stupid move of me. I, uh, yeah, so after that I was driving more caref much more carefully. But I think I might have been a little bit concussed. <laughs> no, I wasn't, just joking. I wouldn't have driven concussed. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so then we took the car back and then uh, that was fine and then we uh, got a taxi home. Next day, I was ill. I had, um, uh, I don't know what it is exactly, obviously, because I never went to see a doctor, but it passed me a couple days. So it was just a bit of food poisoning. Now, I don't know if, so it, I've got three theories on this. It was either the day, a couple of days before, I ate chicharron, which is like pork crackling, off the street, which is very popular here. 
we ate that. So it could be that because it's street food and maybe my stomach's not used to it. Maybe it was a little bit dirty because the guy had a puppy underneath his, <laughs> underneath his chicharron trolley. So, and it's on the street with all the friggin' cars and sh stuff risen around. It's not the cleanest scene. So it could be that, which was my first guess. Well, not my first guess, but it is one of my top guesses. The other one could have just been lunch because I don't know, just lunch. But uh, my friend ate the same lunch, so that was cool. And, but sh and she also ate the same chicharron. And my stomach in general is stronger than hers, we know that. But maybe she's more used to the Colombian street food because she's Colombian. And the third idea was that uh, because I cut my head in that pool, so uh, some bacteria might have seeped in, which to me sounded, I don't know if that's possible because it was a stomach bug. But when I was looking at my symptoms online, there is a type of stomach bug that even passes through that's uh, and it's not super. Un I forgot what it's called, but it's not super uncommon. And like you, people might just discount it as traveler's diarrhea. And uh, it even lives through sanitization, like your hand washing, like uh, if you you know the ones that you use for COVID. It lives through that, and it can seep through you in a pool. And because I had an open wound in that pool, it might have happened. So there you go. There are my three things. I mean, obviously, I, it's impossible to know with these things. Because some people might think, oh, it can't be the crackling because it was too far away. But that's not true. It can happen up to a week or up to like, yeah, up to a week. Usually it's within a couple of days of you consuming the bad food. Right. Uh, I used to think also that it could all that it would happen within 24 hours. But that was wrong because I also used to think that it would pass within 24 hours. But this actually lasted for two days. But now I'm pretty much completely fine. I had some Pepto-Bismol and uh they didn't, yeah, I had some Pepto, I had bad stomach cramps. And then the next day I had uh, like watery diarrhea. <laughs> Sorry for the visuals. Uh, and then, so I didn't go to work that day. Well, I worked from home instead of going to the office. And then the, the next night I had like really bad cramps again. And then uh, my, my diarrhea got better, but it was a little bit, but it got better. And then I guess today's the, that was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yesterday, I went, uh, I was pretty much fine, but I was still a bit iffy. So I went to work in the morning and then came home in the afternoon. And then today's a half day anyway, because it's Saturday. That's the routine we're kind of keeping here this month, uh, half day Saturday, because the office closes, our shared office that we're sharing, that's information you don't need to know. And then, uh, yeah, and today I'm pretty much fine. We went out to lunch today. We were going to go find this burger place uh, that she had been to with her girlfriend. And she said, it's really good, even though we're both pretty much vegetarian. But we're like, fine, maybe they have a vegetarian burger. If not, we'll just eat a burger anyway, whatever. So we went there, we walked there for about 20 minutes, and it was closed. And we're like, oh man, what are we going to do now? And then I remembered, hey, there's, we remember we saw that vegetarian restaurant in town. So we walked all the way back to town. I went up to this vegetarian restaurant, and it was pretty cool because they were like, here's the menu. And we looked at it, and it was like, there's only one choice. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and they said that'll be 13,000 pesos if you want it uh, and we said sure that makes it easy we don't have to decide just give us what you got and so they give us like a a corn and pea soup which is I liked it I think she didn't like it very much because uh, the peas were a bit hard she likes soft food uh, she's not a baby <laughs> but she likes soft food uh, so that was cool and then they had like a, a veggie meat sauté stick and uh, a little bit of mango salad and 
some other things on the plate, uh, some rice, some saffron rice, like Indian saffron rice. It was all, it was pretty good. One thing they had was um, blackberry sauce. They just gave a thing of blackberry marmalade. I guess they were like, that's dessert, but it came at the start. And then I thought, I don't know what, it, I didn't know what it was for, but I was dipping my French fries into it and it was delicious. So French fries and jelly. <laughs> there you go. It was really good. I enjoyed it. That was a good lunch and it wasn't too big because usually when I go to uh, eat lunch at in around here, like the plate of the day or whatever, you get a soup, you get like a portion of meat. Usually, almost always, it's a portion of meat and then uh, some rice, some beans, something, but it didn't have all that. So it had, it was much more simple, even though it was a little bit more expensive than usual. I mean, you can get a meal here, like with all that stuff for about 8,000, which is about $2.50 and that was 13. So it's almost double, but still it's under, it's like less than five, but it's like $4, right? It was a good meal. I enjoyed it. So yeah, and that was my week up until today. Uh, up until a couple of hours ago that was a pretty big rant i was ranting that's the longest rant i've done and well i had a lot to say i guess i had a exciting time this week <laughs> but anyway let's get to the subject which is three important mountain biking skills uh for beginners i guess because these are pretty basic skills but uh they're important and speaking of mountain biking that desert thing that we did my friend's girlfriend uh, rode that desert and that would have been balls hot so good for her uh, I don't know really much to say maybe this will just be a rant I don't know what much to say about mountain biking so the three skills were braking using gears and what was the last one uh, looking ahead um, yeah I mean braking obviously the thing uh, the thing I've noticed when I uh, go to America, right? And they've got like the mountain biking um, in the camp. They've got the mountain mountain biking option. And the funny thing is, is that a lot of the internationals that come in to teach it, they're international. And in America, as opposed to Australia and maybe even England, the brakes are on the opposite side. <laughs> so that's a good tip. If you come from Australia, definitely Australia, but maybe also England and other, maybe all parts of the Commonwealth, maybe it's like that. The brakes are opposite. So you don't want to put your slam your front brakes on first. So just make sure you test those brakes when you get on a new bike. And obviously you brake slow. You want to use the back brake, but not so much that you skid out and then just tap. I just like to tap the front brake or like slowly squeeze it on when I need to come to a stop. And that's cool. So braking is good. And the same thing applies uh, for cars. You brake early when you come to corners, right? This is it's good because uh, a lot of these things kind of intertwine with what I was trying to teach Cara when she was driving in the car. Um, not to ride the brake, obviously, but when you think you're going to need to brake, it's better to brake early than it is to brake late. I remember they used to have that ad on, this is getting to cars now, I used to have that ad on TV. I didn't. The country used to have that ad on TV where they're like, every, uh, every extra 10 kilometers of speed you go, is another extra braking distance of xx kilometers something exponential right uh so it's better to brake early the second thing is using gears so yeah i mean you can use gears i used to ride a bmx when i was a, a younger teenager i guess and that's pretty cool you don't have any gears obviously you just got to use your leg power but obviously higher gears so it's easier to go up hills and lower gears when you want to go faster or on a flat line, right? Straight. 
And uh, one of the important things is, and this is the same as a car as well, is change your gears before the obstacle, right? You don't want to be changing your gears halfway through the obstacle. So there you go. Uh, if you see a hill coming up, start to change your gears before you get to it. Because trying to change your gears halfway up it, you might, uh, your chain might fall off or whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, so that's a good one. And uh, if you're coming around corners, don't try to change gears while you're turning, things like that. Uh, and the third one, which is very important, is looking ahead. Uh, so you can see your obstacles and anticipate them. A lot of people look straight in front. Like when my friend was driving, I noticed she was like trying to dodge the potholes just as they come up and stuff like that, right? And I was like, oh, they tell us you got to look three car lengths ahead, which is about 30 meters, I guess, if there's no cars in front of you. Three, And so then you can anticipate what's coming up because the problem with trying to avoid an obstacle as you get to it is that, especially if you're going quick, on a bike or in a car is that uh, another obstacle could pop up like pretty quickly as well. So you should anticipate or you should look ahead so you know the obstacle coming up. So if another one does happen to come up by surprise, you only really have to think about the new one as opposed to having to think about two or three at the same time. So yeah, always look ahead. And I, you know, it's the same with walking. <laughs> it's the same with everything. Plan ahead, right? Plan ahead. Okay, that'll do for today. That was a long rant. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you want to learn more, we, I don't have a book about mountain biking yet. I'm going to do one. I've, it's in my list of things. There's a lot of things in my list of things to do, but this will be, this is going to become a priority. So we'll get together uh, a book about that. But if not, you can always go to the website, uh, just search, uh, go to www.survivalfitnessplan.com and then search mountain biking. And there's a bunch of tutorials on there for free. Go have a read or uh, yeah. It's cool. I like mountain biking. It's a good, nice way to keep fit. And it's, uh, I'm a runner more than a mountain biker. Uh, I think maybe partly because I travel a lot. I don't want to carry a mountain bike everywhere I go, <laughs> but also, uh, I like running and, but mountain biking is much easier on the joints. So it is a very good thing and it's fun too. It is fun. Just, uh, be careful. You don't stack it too much. Okay. So check that out. And, uh, I'll speak to you again next week. Adios.